0: Uh, Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Punditry on a Pint, uh, where uh, three average blokes are having above-average football conversations. Sadly, you're hearing my voice at the absolute beginning of this episode. Amar isn't here with us today. He'll be back for the next episode. Uh, But I have Akshat and Po with us. Uh, Say hi to the guys, Akshat and Po. Uh,
1: Hi. I I don't know when all four of us are going to be on a board again, but it's fine.
0: (laughs) Don't have to be so depressing, bro. It's okay. Hey, Po. So, um, I think it's been a long time since... I I, don't, I think this is my debut in terms of hosting an episode. So, it's got to be as bad as it's going to be, guys. That's just sort of a heads up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, let's get straight into it. I think uh, just so the listeners sort of get a behind-the-curtain peek into our incredible creative process... For so the past 20 minutes we have been actively, actively deliberating as to what we're going to record today because of course we are, haven't you know planned in advance and I guess that has its pros and cons and we've decided to talk about managers and just their relationship with clubs and the way the Premier League or just the Europe's top five leagues have had more stability now than before. Or less stability now than before, depending on how you look at it. I'm sure these guys are going to have differing opinions. So if I can bring Akshat in maybe first to sort of describe
1: the topic better than I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's worth a conversation about how managers basically leave their clubs, right? Because there, there are a lot of ways it can happen. You could leave at the pinnacle of your career, to better things and still maintain a good relationship with your club um you could get sacked because you don't meet the the objectives which are set out by the board you could fall out with the board and they could sack you for that reason or there's just like the weird weird uh, managerial sackings right the ones like um like Lopet Gui when he when he became the spanish manager for i think what of weeks or something two weeks or something yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, what you said is actually interesting, Vaishnav, because I think it's both. There is more stability as well as less stability, weirdly, because uh, at the top end of at least the Premier League, you look at the teams uh, in the conversation for the title and a little bit further up top of the table, um, City, Liverpool, United now have a very stable environment around the manager. I'd even consider Arsenal in that list because they seem to be sticking by Arteta no matter what. But um, uh, lower down in the league, also something like uh, like Norwich, for example, they've stuck by mm-hmm. uh, their manager, even though they were relegated. Even uh, Newcastle, for that matter, quite surprisingly, when they were relegated, Rafa Benitez was willing to stay uh, as the manager for Newcastle, but um, the owners couldn't make it work. So I think it's it's um, there are a lot of examples of. Uh, both the relationship from the club and the manager side where they want to make it a long-term partnership and they, they, they want to, uh, you know, build something together because on honestly, any manager would prefer being backed for their overall project rather than just coming in and winning trophies immediately. So at the and again, to give an um, opposite example, um, clubs like Chelsea have found so much success in their philosophy of just sacking managers the moment they don't perform, and somehow it just works for them, right? Um And we've seen yeah. the opposite happen to uh, Juventus recently, where um, when they switched to Perlo as a manager, yeah. that didn't work yeah. at all. Sari didn't work at all. I mean, yeah, they, they, they won trophies, but they, they're not winning the trophies they wanted. They didn't win the Champions League, which they've been trying to do ever since Ronaldo went to that club. So um, it's, it's a very mixed bag, and I think that's why... This is um, such an interesting topic. And um, yeah, I, I just want to hear maybe, uh, especially Poe, I'd like your take on it. Because I think Ferguson and Wenger kind of are the the biggest examples of what stalwarts at a club look like. And they had two very different end to their tenures. So I just want to know from you, like, what what do you think about Arsene Wenger's finals, final years? And do you think the relationship with the fans kind of played a major part in in how he left the club
2: yeah i mean it was completely different from what you guys expected uh, like what you guys felt when uh, sir alex left united uh, but i don't know I, I don't know if it's the same for you guys i'm still new to the whole uh, chopping and changing of managers Like I still feel really new to it because all my Arsenal watching life, it it was just Wenger and I never expected it to change. And I'm a person who's not very receptive to change, although it's not a good thing to have. But yeah, so so I was really um, in line with what Wenger was doing at Arsenal. And in my mind, he's still... At, in some capacity, like in charge of Arsenal and running the club, uh, it's it's stupid to say that because it's been like four years or five years now, I think, since Wenger left. But I still it's still in fresh, like the Wenger years in my memory. So like the circumstances in which he left Arsenal, uh, it's not a healthy one, I'd say, because uh, everyone knows about it. The whole uh, Arsenal fan TV. Uh, situation, the sudden boom in fans voicing out their opinion on YouTube and their uh, reluctance to continue with Wenger, that reached a point of toxicity that I'd say, I mean, it was, it, it went beyond all levels that I'd seen before. Like, fucking we flew planes saying that Wenger out, man. Like, that's disgusting. During a game, that to end, like, that's so demoralizing for the players that, like, who are whose main focus at that point of time should be uh, playing the game and winning the game rather than like looking up in the sky seeing a plane saying wenger out so it had reached horrible level of toxicity so i'd say it was a good thing that he left when he did leave uh, at least it was amicable in, in a sense that like it, not all the fans turned against him like there is still a section of like section of the fans uh, who are much older than me who still respect wenger for what he's done so, he's definitely the best Arsenal manager ever, okay, in history. So, there are still a section of fans who are like in their 30s or 40s who remember what he's done, how he's changed the club from what it was from uh, George Graham days. So, it, it's it's not a nice thing to see such a long-standing manager leave the club. And what's really, into the, like, what's really sad, I feel like right now, is at least you guys get to see Sir Alex come and go, like, Every other game he's there. He's part of United's like furniture at this point. But Wenger has not come back for even for a single game or like he hasn't come back to Arsenal even for like for anything for that matter. Like not just the game, but he hasn't come back to the Arsenal, period so he, like his reasoning behind that is that he wants like the wound is still fresh he wants some time away from it because he wants to maintain that respect that he has for cherishes for Arsenal and like, the love that he feels for the club so he wants to take a step back and he doesn't want to get involved in it because he doesn't want to undermine who are there currently right now so I just want to see Wenger back in the stadium uh, I'm looking forward to that day but the dude's getting old so I, I hope it happens soon <laughs> That's that's
0: a very ominous way to sign out. <laughs> what you were saying, bro? <laughs> God damn, man! Shit. Okay, I hope Papa Wangon stays all right. I hope. Uh, shit, I have Nothing to <laughs> say now, bro. You caught me, unawares
1: But I, I actually, that that point you bring up is is an interesting one because we we had that very recently as United fans, a very real threat. Of Ronaldo moving to City, right? An ex-player joining a rival and damaging his legacy at the club. Uh, What do you guys think about that happening with managers? Because someone like a Mourinho, for example, has managed rivals essentially, right? With Chelsea and Spurs and kind of soured relationships with both clubs in, in that sense.
2: For lack of a better word, Mourinho is a hoe. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. but
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy I I published these uh, episodes as explicit because I don't know what ad deal we're going to get when our vocabulary is limited to hoe. But but I mean, the only other word I would sort of use for Mourinho is mercenary. And I don't think that's a bad or a good thing. It's just descriptive of who he is. Uh, but yeah, I think that's an interesting question though, Akshat. Do you, or do you have any thoughts as to managers, managing rivals essentially? But I, uh, to be completely honest, I can't think of too many instances other than like Mourinho. R-
1: Rafa Benitez. Rafa. Oh, shit, Benitez. yeah, Benitez is fresh. But, yeah. but uh, like
2: Mourinho still stands out in that aspect and I do not respect a person who does that not at all regardless of whether it's a player whether it's a manager or whether it's a staff I love Sol Campbell for what he's done for Arsenal like that is one example that I can give as a player like this is a player instead of a manager but like who's moved uh, who's crossed the divide that you should never do but I still like at some point like at some part of my back of my head I still do not respect him for what he's done but I still love him so like when it comes to a manager who's who's taken the one of the like top three like Out of the top six, he's taken the three out of the clubs in the Premier League, right? In United, Chelsea and Spurs. Like, okay, fuck, I don't want to include Spurs in this, but they are, like, still part of the top six or big six or whatever you want to consider. (laughs) So, like, I do not respect (laughs) the man. They are
0: when it's convenient for you. Yeah,
2: Yeah. but I do not respect (laughs) the man for what he's done. But I still, like, understand why he does it or maybe, like, he just wants the opportunity to do it and, like, to defy the naysayers so i do not respect him but i understand it i want to sort of
0: butt in here for a bit and uh, i completely get what you're saying Poe. it's very easy to sort of get all righteous and get up on our high horses and say what are you doing you know how much this means to people when you especially someone like mourinho because he's not going to be uh, <laughs> quiet and respectful is he he's going to be noisy he's going to be you know, caustic, he's going to try to rub you the wrong way. And when he has managed your team, imagine how Chelsea fans felt when he went to Spurs. I mean, the only saving grace is that United was in between both of those jobs. So it wasn't like an immediate switchover. But I think we read a little too much because into especially moves that are sort of perceived to be within quotes across a divide because there are only so many elite jobs in sport They are typically geographically very close by because, I mean, that's how economies work, especially in football, because local rivalries are such a big boost to the actual commercial appeal of that product in terms of the league and or the club. It's very common for teams to be situated close to each other, playing in the same league and sort of having a symbiotic relationship. Like United and City towards the start of the 2010s when we started fading away and City started becoming, without a shadow of the doubt, the best team in the league. That for the Premier League was great because two clubs close to each other from the same city, great for the City, great for the fans. If you're from Manchester, you're proud of City as well. I mean... I guess uh, some might not be, but <laughs> the, there's there's definite local sort of allegiances that build up. And I don't think it's fair for us, especially London. If you think about London, the amount of great and historic football clubs that that city has sort of sprout up into the Premier League and notwithstanding the ones that aren't even in the league. I think if you think about it, if you're a great manager in the Premier League and you're essentially he he didn't get screwed out of his first job at Chelsea, but I would argue, argue that out of his second job at Chelsea, he sort of did get screwed over with all the players' downing tools. Now, I understand that that's also because of him. Definitely, as United fans, we know that firsthand. But I don't know if it's fair to just say, no, now you can't go here. Because, I mean, you don't want to move down. You want to move up or laterally. And even laterally in a career is sort of not growing, right? So, I don't know how fair it is for us to say stuff like, I mean, you guys can disagree with me, but I don't know how fair it is when you say stuff like, you can't go here, you can't go there. At the end of the day, they're making money. It's their job. Supporting a family. I know I'm getting too pragmatic, but that, that's sort of how it
2: is. Yeah, you're taking the emotion out of advice. Nah, foot- because there is no emotion. Because it's someone's paycheck. It's emotion for us. Nah, football. You can't say that in football. Because football as a sport is defined by the emotions.
0: 100% I'm the first guy to like, I completely, I empathize with everything you're saying. I don't disagree with anything you're saying, okay? But I think us as fans, sort of, we like to have it only one way and not the other. And one thing that sort of displayed that to me was Pep Guardiola's comments this week about the City fans. So, um, for the listeners who know, we're recording this on the 18th of September. I think it's 19th now for Po. Yeah, we're on that... Uh Double times on grind, guys. Please <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> but, uh, so Pep Guardiola came out and basically said, you know, I, I'm managing my team well and I'm making us play well. I wish more fans come to watch us play or something like that. I could be paraphrasing. And he's gotten a lot of stick in the press from City fans for saying that. But for me, that's sort of double standards, right? Because every day, I mean, we have a podcast telling managers what to do, basically, right? But when managers come out and tell us how to be fans, no one seems to care. And everyone seems to think that they're sort of um, uh, not attached. They aren't, yeah, out of touch. They're not, you know, they aren't part of the rooted football culture. So they can't, they have no right to say that to us. But if anything, athletes at the highest level are the most intertwined with the sport. They have literally given their life to the sport. As opposed to us who are, you know, weekend warriors for lack of a better term. But, I mean, I, I you guys can definitely disagree with me, but
2: I... I disagree on, like, I disagree on this as well, like, the whole Pep Guardiola situation. But I just want to finish another point about Mourinho. The dude's done this his whole life, man. Mm-hmm. He's not, like, he's not just, he's not just done this in Premier League. Like, wasn't he, like, assistant to somebody at Barcelona? Like
1: he was a he he was a translator he was a translator under pip yeah, I think yeah he,
2: was it, uh, didn't he have like some capacity in foot like in terms of the football or rather than
0: I don't think he was in the non- playing technical stuff, but I guess technically he was because if you're a translator of the coach, you're essentially an assistant coach, so I guess he was yeah, but okay
2: i might I might be wrong, but then I thought he was part of some in some capacity related to the playing side of the club.
0: I guess, I mean, I guess technically you are right, because he was translating directly for one of the first or reserve team at that time coaches, so that would make him part of the sort of playing side of the equation. So he was very much part of the football club, but I don't think he had sort of sway and on-field decisions and stuff. I think he was doing his coaching badges at the time as well, so he was getting qualified.
1: No, but but even to Mourinho, I mean, he he keeps, I mean, he not keeps, he he kept saying of of the special relationship he has with um, with Inter, right? And I think he's even quoted saying that I that it's the club I hold dearest to my heart and all of that. And he's out there managing Roma, which of course is not a direct rival, but. No, I, I kind of agree with you on the on the pragmatism of it, that as a person who's looking for a job for his career, right, and especially someone like Mourinho, there are only going to be a certain number of clubs willing to pay you that much. And um, even, you know, clubs which, you, which you're willing to join in terms of your own pedigree, right? Yeah, exactly. 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 So, um, at the same time, I think that we like to romanticize the idea that if a manager wins with us and is successful as us, then they are as invested into the club as we are which is Back. not the case because there is always going to be that abstraction for a manager that it's a job for them and i don't think it's wrong for us to ask for it because as fans that's what you want but at the same time you have to also understand that at the end of the day it is a job and they will take whatever you know comes their way so i'm kind of on the fence like i know both of you are on the opposite sides but i'm kind of on the fence about this
0: it's nice to have a moderating presence <laughs>
2: yeah akshat you know what you said about like managers not might not be on the same wavelength as fans and i think that is exactly why i don't think pep has uh, pep is on the right side when he says the fans should like be off mode like be attending more games and like yeah because if pep pep has openly said that when he runs the, when he finishes this contract, he's going to step away from Man City and like probably take up an international role. But the fans are there for the end their entire lifetime. And Pep, no, I, I get no. I'm not saying that Pep isn't like just because he's leaving, he's not as invested as the fans. But mm-hmm. the thing is, Pep is in a position of the highest standard in the club. Yeah, right. He's part and parcel of the club right now. He earns huge amounts of money from the club. He travels with the team. Everything's possible and it's easy, it's easy for him to just nonchalantly say that there should be more fans attending. I don't I, I don't mean that he had any ill, uh, he meant any ill when he said that, but it's not easy to attend like midweek games, midweek Champions League completely games when you want to travel when you have to travel to Germany, when you have to travel to Italy, when you have to travel to Spain. It's not easy, and especially when the prices are so high. And it and this and during this time period where COVID is a big factor in determining how you travel, where you travel to, and how you come back home,
0: and safety, right? In general, safety. Like yes. you don't want to just unnecessarily travel. I completely agree with you Po, with everything you said. But so I don't think it's so. I mean, if Ole had said that, I would have probably also not had a problem. The reason I'm saying this is he doesn't have to be right or wrong. Like what you're saying is completely, I, I 100% empathize with a uh, date, like sort of a, a week uh, w- a weekday working 9-to-5 job having Man City fan who tries to get there for every single game. But we, I mean, are testament to the fact that you don't, I, I've never been to Old Trafford and watched a game, but I've been watching that team play for almost like fucking 15-16 years, right? So it's not about... I agree with you, okay? it's It might feel a little unfair for a fan to hear the fucking multi-million dollar earning manager say, bro, come watch our sport, when that guy is trying to sort of, you know, he's just off furlough, he's trying to get his kids back fucking into school and shit like that. I completely get what you're saying, especially in the current climate. But I think there are a lot of fans who don't fall into that boat. Uh, clubs like City, clubs like United, clubs like Chelsea and Arsenal, uh, the majority of day, uh, match-going fans are sort of... Match going fans who are religious and go have like season tickets and have a seat with like a fucking name plate on it and shit. There are fans at that side, but there are also now, especially because of how commercial it is, there are tourist fans, right? There are people like us who save up maybe for a couple years and then get a chance to go and watch a game and that's how we do it. And at any given time at these Premier League grounds, there are a large portion of those fans. And I think Pepe sort of he has uh, sort of constructed his own downfall by making City such a worldwide name because you're going to have such global appeal, but a lot of that might not be local, right? Also adding to the fact that United is a big historic club from the same City. So I I get that. I completely got what you're saying. It's not fair for these guys to expect them to travel to fucking random places in Germany, Kazakhstan shit. Okay, City don't play Europa League like us, but (laughs) (laughs) so they're traveling to more glamorous (laughs) places. But I mean... But one thing that sort of bugs me about fans is we have this, and this is me included, this is 100% me included. And I know why it's because we're so emotionally invested in it. We feel like anybody else who's earning money at that elite level owes us something. But for me, I mean, I am 100% on that boat. But there's a lot of times where we sort of have to look at ourselves and realize they aren't getting paid a lot of money just because they're getting paid a lot of money. Uh, I love this argument of pay teachers and doctors as much as you pay athletes. Sort of flip around the pay scale and then we'll see because that's who's worth more. I completely agree with that in the holistic view of things. But the reason athletes and managers are getting paid that much is genuinely 99.999% of the earth's population cannot do what they're doing. Physically and mentally, there is just a capability issue. I'm not saying everybody can be a neurosurgeon. I'm saying there is higher demand because there is more supply just more people are doing that which is why it's it's very difficult to do that as well but there's not as much commercial fucking interest in it right we aren't watch, staying up Tuesday midnight watching I, don't know, I was gonna say neurosurgeons champions league man my I'm at a <laughs> loss for words but you guys get what I'm sort of saying so yeah. that's sort of when we take it and you know miss. I guess Pep could have you know worded what he was saying better I completely get what you're saying be a little more sensitive to fans who maybe might not take that the best way but every week we second guess what managers are doing Pep Guardiola one of the greatest managers of all times is second guessed by us by everyone when he does something stupid in air quotes in the Champions League but when he gets to say something about fans we get a little too defensive you know at least that's what I'm I just going to slide like,
1: in here, Vaishnav, and say that uh, City were held goalless at home uh, <laughs> by Southampton. So, what we said about them not having a striker is 100% validated. 100%. I'm loving <laughs> no it. No one can argue against us anymore.
0: <laughs> so, we second guessed Guardiola and we were right. So, I guess my last two minutes rant has sort of been <laughs> overruled by
2: Akshat. I want to just add to that rant, but like. Before we move on, uh, the whole thing about, like, the regular match-going fans who have, like, in clubs like United City, sorry, Chelsea and Arsenal and, like, Liverpool, like, especially Liverpool, these clubs, you got to remember the fact that, like, most of those people are from a generation or two, like, old like, they're older than us. The the new generation, it's, it's really hard for, like, the current generation to be to go on the same level as like the old generation and clubs are finding it harder and harder to get like new people to take up the mantle of the like the old season ticket holders and everything i know like there's like the season ticket lines are like 100 years old and many people are there on the queue for like 20 years 15 years and all that but for a for a new fan to pay like 60 70 quid or whatever it is every single game and, like, attend those games, uh, diligently, it's, I don't think it's possible right now to do it. Back then, it was just, like, a pastime when, like, you could, like, even a kid could go with his pocket change and, like, nearly go for, like, every single game, like, with his, just with his pocket money. I don't think it's possible right now, though.
0: No, no, it's 100% not. I completely agree. So, just to bring it back to managers, though, um, let's look at the more positive side of things. Like, do you, what do you guys think of in terms of, Okay, when I say project manager and when I say win-at-all-cost manager, can you guys give me sort of names that come to your mind when I just when you hear these terms? So when I say project manager, Akshat and whoever is sort of...
2: Ten Hag.
1: Ten Hag's a good one. That's interesting. Um, I, I, I'd put Ole in that category too, project manager. Love it. Love it. Klopp. Klopp for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely Klopp. Yeah. And I think Arsenal want Arteta to be also the same thing, long term. Like, built for the future. And not just, like, instant fix. We've tried that, but it's not worked, so...
1: Yeah, on the other hand, you have Mourinho, you have Ancelotti, who I think is a win right now. I think even Zidane, for that matter, weirdly, even though he's managed just Madrid, he just leaves whenever things aren't going his way. He doesn't want to stick <laughs> around and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> deal with any bullshit. So, yeah, I, I, that's that's an interesting question because... As football fans what do you, you want your team to win, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's all you want. But at the same time, you get more attached as a football fan if you have that story of someone who's built the club up, their own squad up, and over time that progress comes and then it finally comes to fruition, you feel a bit more involved. But would you exchange not winning anything for four years to winning one trophy in five years? Or would you rather win every single year? That's exactly what I was going to come to. That
0: that's really interesting. Uh, no, but then sort of. there's no
2: guarantee that you're going to win every single year, right? Like, look at like Mourinho trying to trying to be an instant fix at Spurs. That that's not going to happen. Like that never worked. Like.
0: I don't know if you can say never works because last season we've had the Mourinho example.
2: Uh, I mean, Mourinho and Spurs like that was never a good like match. Expecting. Mourinho to get them a trophy instantly I mean he got them really close like he got them to the finals line he couldn't play the finals we were talking about in the pre the pre-recording scenes they didn't let
0: him manage the finals so yeah I
2: mean you never know but then thank god for that Um, but yeah coming back to that you you never know like that only works actually like you have managers like Pep like I still consider Pep as not a project manager but like on the other side of the scale, where like you just give him the tools that you need to win right now, he's not going to build for the future. Uh, he just go. He's just going to get you that instant victories and instant trophies. But then there are very few managers in the world to do the get. Like who can do that?
0: But to be fair, he has sort of made this Man City squad in his sort of image. Right? He's he has really changed the team in terms of the profile, how it plays. When he came in, the squad that was there. In the squad that's there now. So, I get what you're saying, but I feel like Pep has a foot in both doors where he is a project manager yeah. because he's got a
1: philosophy. It's it's great you bring that up because I think, I, if we're talking about manager sackings, I think one of the most unfair sackings ever was the predecessor for Guardiola at Bayern. It, it was Yup Hanks. I, I have no idea how yeah, to pronounce Heinz, his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he won the treble the previous year yeah. and, and he was willing <laughs> to extend... And yep. the uh, basically, Bayern board said that, listen, no, we want Pep. And they literally forced him into retirement. I don't think he managed after that. Maybe he had, like, an interim spell, if I'm not mistaken. But he hasn't managed after that. Yeah. I think he came back, in fact.
2: Wasn't he, like, well, isn't he, like... Um the the manager that Bayern falls to when they like lose a manager and then they're looking for another <laughs> to fill the spot. Like he's done that multiple
1: yeah, times. I, Has I think been, you're like, right. I think you're right. Basically, uh, goes heading for Chelsea, right? Like yeah, he's been he's no, like... That, yes. that. That's actually such a weird job profile. Like, dude, you come for some time only. <laughs>
2: Man, like, you call me oh, whenever you need me. like As soon as you lose, like, kick more in your heart, just call. I'll
1: be there. Right. But uh, now, now to talk about... Yeah, okay, Akshat, go ahead. I- I'm sorry, I just want to like, continue this because I-, I feel like this is a very interesting and loaded question. Um, But talking about managers who get sacked after winning things, two examples come to my mind. Number one being Louis Van Gaal won the FA Cup, was sacked <laughs> literally a few days later. And number two, and more interestingly, is Claudio Ranieri, where he did the impossible. And next season, they looked like they were kind of in trouble, and they sacked him. What do you think about that? Uh,
2: I, okay, like in the long term, it was a. I think it was a move that worked out well for Leicester. Yeah. But at that point of time, like when the their title winning season was like still fresh in the back of our minds. I think it was, like, a move that no one expected to happen. Like, man, like, if if you're going to win a title for a club that had, like, 5,000 to 1 odd of winning the title... You're gonna like you. You are definitely gonna put up a statue of him and keep him around for like ten years minimum. Like that's what like you think this is gonna happen. But in the long term, right now, I think Leicester are on a better track rather than like if they're stuck with uh, Ranieri. Yeah, so
0: that that again sort of brings back our initial sort of segue into this project versus win at all stakes because Leicester have sort of done it both. That Premier League title win, I think it would be very safe to say it was not planned. I don't think that was in their five-year plan. Yeah. And winning that title for me, it sort of contextualized what they wanted to become. Because if you look at their squad back then, it was a great squad that season they won it. But they've got a much more complete and balanced squad right now. They've probably got the best squad outside the top four to top six, whatever you want to call it. And I think that is largely because of the stuff that that Premier League win sort of set in place. So the backroom staff, everyone else that they got in, getting in Brendan, Brendan Rogers with his analytics team, and mm. the way they've sort of morphed into the Premier League's version of basically Leeds and or Brentford, but at a much higher scale, wherein their biggest. Strength is their recruitment more than anything else, and that recruitment and the sort of footballing philosophy and how they set their teams up are very much.
1: No, but but Vaishnav, like, like I, I'm not arguing with the outcome. I don't think any of us can argue with the outcome. But I, I'm kind of asking that at the time of the sacking, at that particular time, w- what do you think? Like, do you think clubs should show loyalty?
0: No, I don't think there's any such thing as loyalty from either side. And I think that's fine because sports is inherently capitalistic. It's a meritocracy. The best is staying. I completely get... There's another side to it, though. There's the commercial side to loyalty, right? Which is why I think Ole has sort of succeeded. Because like we've said 50 times on this podcast, even Arteta for that matter, Emery and Mourinho had a bad juju. There was just something indescribable about their spells towards the end at their respective clubs where... No one was happy. The players, the manager, the fans, no one was happy. And I think that commercial decision of getting in someone who is, in quotes, a crowd pleaser turned out to be good. So you have these sort of, you know, I can't be loyal to an Emery or a Mourinho because I have these sort of bigger goals in mind. You do have that because I don't think teams or players, like playing, non playing, and like staff and actual sporting organizations there's no loyalty i don't think loyalty has ever been present even in whenever it was probably since sport has been professional i don't think there has been loyalty but i think what we're seeing these days with these ex-players coming back to their sort of fabled clubs is the nostalgia factor and sort of commercializing that so i think that side of it definitely was like, yeah, keeping Ranieri would have been good because he's sort of a historic Premier League coach just in general, right? He's just yeah. one of the most historic coaches within the league's history. Just, I would yeah. say, top 5-6. Just no, because literally, of that one yeah. season, right?
1: Yeah, And yeah. it
0: could be argued that he is the most historic Premier League coach. Like, that would not be a hard argument to make.
1: It, it probably is the best story the Premier League has ever had. So, yeah, you could make that argument.
0: Ever had. Exactly. So... And, and for me, that is football, right? I mean, that one season was what football was, where everyone towards December was like, no, surely it's not going to happen. And then as March is coming close, you're like, shit, it's happening. And I, I, I think every single fan, I think Arsenal, Po, you were very close to winning the league that season, right? A couple of... Um,
1: second, they finished No, second. but I think
0: in January or Feb, there were a couple of runoff, like two, three games where two uh, draws and one win or something like that where Leicester and Tottenham started pulling away and then, of course, Tottenham, like they do.
2: Bottled it. 5-1 to Newcastle. <laughs> 5-1 to a Newcastle side that were getting relegated. And, like, that game, like, like the entire fan base were, like, in doubt whether Benitez was going to stay on or not. And, like, that atmosphere was incredible. Okay, I don't know why I remember that, but I just wanted to throw it in.
0: I mean, I, 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 I suppose schuyden is such... Man, it's, 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 some, it's a sight to behold when you hear Poe talk about Spurs. It's like the light in his eyes, man. The light in his eyes. <laughs> the fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the fire in his soul and the twinkle in his eyes. <laughs> okay, but so now to sort of go back to... Let's finish it on the Mourinho. I, I hey, don't but talk. no, no.
2: One second. Before you jump back to the Mourinho part. Like, what do you say about... Um, the whole nostalgia factor about players coming back as managers, I found that really interesting though, Vaishnav, because that sort of works only in like a particular scenario where like the club is not doing as well as it's supposed to be doing and uh, and espe- like arguably Mourinho and Emery are like much, much better managers than Ole and Arteta much. are right now much. because experience, because of what they've won, what they've seen and like definitely they're better managers but it's the whole like you gotta get before you do anything you gotta get the fans on board as a football club Before, even regardless if you win or not you gotta get that done first and I think this is one of the like the best approaches to go about doing that like try to get someone back so I don't know
0: if it's best right
2: like it, it's a it, it's one of the good things that you can
0: do Correct, but out of the four teams that I can think of in recent history that have gone this way, there's literally been like a 50% success yeah. rate, right? Ole, Arteta, uh, Lampard and Perlo. And if you're just looking at how... It, uh, Ole and Arteta have been anything but consistent and successful, right? I, I think neither of these managers have sort of set the world alight and we can be a, a completely objective in pointing that out, but we can also be completely objective in pointing out Pirlo and Lampard's sort of other end of the spectrum experience at their clubs being typically being in more you know treading on thinner ice than the other two have for Mm. lack of a better way to describe it and I think Ole and Arteta have been bailed out by the quality of their squad I'm not saying Lampard and Pelo didn't have great squads but it's about what they did on the days that they had to do it and uh that's sort of interesting to bring up, though. Uh, what do you have to say, Akrata, about sort of that nostalgia factor of managers coming back?
1: See, I have a slightly different opinion. I I think, of course, the nostalgia factor is important. I think hiring managers with the nostalgia factor is good because what we said, what you said in a previous episode, Vaishnav, was that you don't think Ole is the best manager in the world, but you think he's the right man for the job. And that is... Essentially, because he is a United player, he was a United player, he knows the history of the club, so on and so forth. And I do believe that there is a lot of merit in that argument that ex-players and generally just people who are associated with the club um, will have a better understanding of the fans and a better, better identity or, or style of how they manage based on what the fans expect and hence leading to a more better relationship with the club. Uh, and better feeling amongst fans. Yeah. But, but I also want to point out that I think it's largely down to a manager's aptitude and experience. And what I mean by that is... The one coming in or the one that he's replacing? The, the one, the, the, the manager, like the ex-player who's okay. managing the club. Okay. okay. So, um, I, Perlo, for example, no experience at all. And he takes charge of that club. That's not going to work. I don't care how legendary a player you are of that club. You're not, it's not going to work. Lampard as well, one-year experience in the championship and then managing a Champions League title-worthy squad. It's not going to work. Ole, for example, people say that, oh, he's a new manager. He's not a new manager. He's been managing for, I think, 10 years before he came to United. He had that experience. Yes, it's not at the highest level, but he had that experience. And when he came to United, he was already a very developed manager in terms of how he handles his situations. Okay, that's a little scary though, that if you're saying he's already developed... (laughs) (laughs) because i was sort of waiting for the growth (laughs) (laughs) no no i mean obviously you develop a lot more when you're at a bigger club but fingers crossed point of time you yeah (laughs) but at that point of time you've done your hard hard work you've done the hard yards right yeah in the way you set up your coaching sessions put in your time yeah yeah like we don't have insight into that but a day-to-day what a manager does in any club there's got to be some similarities in how you deal with those situations 100 percent and um one example which I'm giving of the future of something like this, which could work, is what Gerard is doing. I think it's fantastic mm, the work he's doing uh, at Rangers. I, I think
0: it's I think it's done when Klopp, yeah. I think the only replacement
1: for Klopp is Gerard. I, I think yeah. that's done and
2: it's being set up perfectly.
1: Yeah, no, but, but that's exactly what I mean, Bo. Like it's being set up. You can't the nostalgia factor is all were and good, but the person who you're getting in as that nostalgia factor needs to be qualified. Yeah. And yeah. that, is, that is the biggest difference. Arteta, for example, mm. not an Arsenal legend, but yes, an Arsenal yeah. player does understand the club, definitely. But there's no experience there. There's no pedigree there.
2: But, yeah, also, I think it's like a double-edged sword, though. Like, the... The more of a legend you are at that club that you're coming into, yeah, the more, more dangerous it gets. Like when you are like treading on thin ice, because yeah. it can get ugly, and you do not want to tarnish what you've built, like for like 20 years or like 15 years, whatever True. you're in the club. But,
0: but there are some players who are insulated from that, right? I mean, there are some. Players yeah, like that... definitely Lampard. Yeah,
2: like it's like a separate thing altogether. Like they've kept his career playing career aside and his managerial career aside. And I think that was, like, a okay, I was just thankful that it did not go sore, like, as I thought it might, like, because, it, like, I, I still think it was disrespectful about Chelsea just jumping ship. And I know, Vaisna, you're going to, like, come in and then say that, like, it's the rightful <laughs> thing that they're doing. But, but like, no, I'm just thankful that it didn't turn as bad I thought it, as I thought it would. I don't
0: believe there's any right and wrong. I just believe that, you know, some decisions are going to be made and life is... Cutthroat as fuck but yeah I think those are super super fascinating sort of insights and I don't know if you guys want anything to say in sort of closing so we can wrap this up soon about maybe we stick to the nostalgia factor or do you guys want to go over something else that we haven't covered yet in terms of just managers and the relationship with clubs
1: so like let me just put it this way it's like nostalgia factor can only take you so far at the end of the day the guy has to be good at his job Mm -hmm. and the way they become good at the job is through experience and I, I think, it's, it's especially at a big club, you you can't be figuring things out for the first time at a big club. Yeah, learning on the job. Mm. Yeah, you can't do that. I mean, you will. You will learn on the job. So, Po, let me give you this example, okay? For what I think would be perfect, for Arsenal as nostalgia factor, you take Pep Guardiola, uh, sorry, uh, Arteta, who's been Pep Guardiola's <laughs> assistant, um, and you say I'm that's... I'm pretty what... sure they take Pep Guardiola, <laughs> yeah, po, I mean, i, I cut my arm for him, <laughs> Come
0: on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Pep>. <laughs> no but I mean you can take Pep Guardiola's assistant manager get him to your club and call that the nostalgia factor or in like 3-4 years if Patrick Vieira no, proves himself as a decent manager I do not palace, want to.
2: sorry Aksha, I'm not gonna let you complete I'm the, I do not want him anywhere near the club because I do like I know Arsenal fans man they are like the scum of the scum like they are the worst <laughs> Like I do not want our fans turning on fucking Patrick <laughs> no fucking way that's happening man please <laughs> La- yeah, that's boss, I, I can sure.
0: already I can already hear like a 14 year old Arsenal fan on Twitter like who is this Vieira guy has he even played in the Premier League <laughs> I mean I just
2: hope like fucking kids get a better education in football history by their parents who've been watching like watching and following the club but <laughs> Like that's why I never wanted like Henry to come to Arsenal. I do not want Vieira to come to Arsenal. I'm fine with Arteta because like Arteta was never like a legend at Arsenal. There's no way you can call him a legend at Arsenal. So it's fine. Like it's just that he played for us. He captained us. That's it that's where it ends
1: no I, I was speaking purely from a point of view that how qualified they are for the job but yeah i mean i think you make a very valid point where there are just some relationships we just don't want to sour yeah and yeah i guess i i agree with that
2: but there's always an anomaly also actually like when you're talking about experience and nostalgia uh pep the almighty pep fucking motherfucking barcelona <laughs> man like he just stepped in and took over look at what he's won.
1: But- but to be honest, I think Pep is like a prodigal. A, he's like a prodigal guy, dude. I mean, like, literally one of the best of all time. So, so. Okay,
0: I mean, I, I completely agree Pep is awesome, but uh, just to sort of balance the scales, he also did have a certain Lionel Messi, too, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> like.
2: Yeah, fucking. Ronald Koeman had Lionel Messi. What is his, like, what's the other, the, what's the predecessor's name? True.
0: And there's also the argument to be made that Messi is where he is because of Guardiola helping him at the start of his career. Completely agree. But I think it's also sort of... So he did have two to three years with the reserve squad, which plays in the lower divisions in Spain, which is great experience because it's essentially first-team management. He did have generational talents coming through. Although his... He also did have an entire club set up in the system that he wants... There were so many things sort of in Guardiola's favor that is very hard for any other coach to get right now. And yeah, there are teams like RB Leipzig and their whole Red Bull sort of group of football teams and the City group now. This is getting scary, but yeah, these sort of multi-club models wherein there is a philosophy, there is a huge sort of emphasis on how we want to play football and... You know how we're gonna recruit based on that and yeah but pep was i think it's not weird to say that pep was sort of at one of the clubs that started doing it at least in the commercial age for the first time right with La Masia being at the peak
1: yeah and that's a very important point vaishnav because um, pep was successful because he rose to the ranks of the club as a manager as well as a player Mm-hmm. And the same can be said for Zidane, who also became successful as a manager, but he was managing the B team and he was part of the fabric even before he took that first team job. Uh, and that does make it a lot easier. So that's a really good point. hundred percent.
2: But I think Pep is, I think we're lucky to see what Pep is doing right now because he's definitely going to go down in history as one of the best coaches ever. The man uh, already, like I know Barça played in a, a certain style of, a certain style of football, but he did bring back the Cryfin principles to Barcelona. And this this whole identity that you're talking about, city building up, it's it's the identity that Pep is currently playing right now. Like like it's what Pep has established in the team. And that is probably what they want the future to like build around as well, right? So he he's setting up like institutions on a bigger scale that is like than it, it has ever been done before. The man is going to go, like, is incredible. I don't know, I'm a fanboy of Pep, even though he's, like, playing for, like, coaching City right now, and he thrashes Arsenal every single fucking time.
0: I don't think you cannot be, right? You've got to just accept it for the greatness that it is. Right? Yep. I mean, he's on the other side of Manchester, and I still think he's the best coach in the league. So, <laughs> there's only so far that bias can take you. But, Po, if you are sort of... Uh, I think we've got a special treat for the fans in this episode uh, we've got our recurring segment of story time with Akshat Jetly back so, <laughs> just to <laughs> yeah, him yeah. so he can give us one of his cracking absolutely fascinating tales from the world
1: of football Akshat it's over to you I- I'm sure you guys know this dude because uh, it- it's actually quite a popular one but um I don't know if you guys know of the uh, the manager, the Benfica manager uh, in the 1960s, early 1960s. Uh, basically, he managed Eusebio, uh, he brought him to Benfica and Benfica were like one of the, the the top teams at that time, right? I'm talking about Goodman and Goodman basically won back-to-back titles, uh, European titles with Benfica in 62 um, and 63, uh, two cups, right? And then they had another, and basically his contract was running out and he wanted to negotiate a new contract and he asked for a raise. And the owners of Benfica at the time declined and they said that we are firing you because you asked us for a raise. And what he did is he said these words. He said that now, even in a hundred years, Benfica will never win a European final without me. Now, uh. Benfica have reached the European finals. He made a fucking
0: hex on them, bro. He cursed them. He straight out voodoo <laughs> cursed them, bro. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Benfica have reached European finals in 63. The year he left, there was another final which which um, they reached. They lost that in 65, in 68, in 1988, 1990, 2013, and 2014, and they've never won a European trophy since he left.
0: Man, like so, they've so, got like 20 odd years left on their hex. I think the expiry date of that. No, no, 40 so maybe odd Benfica.
1: 40 Holy odd. Shit,
0: yeah, 2060 whatever. Holy yeah. Shit
1: so i think i think we if we should end this by saying be careful what you wish for uh, be careful with the way you fire your managers you never know no, i what's think we should happen. end this by saying
0: do thorough background checks on anyone you recruit and make sure they don't have uh,
2: black magic as part uh, their of the roster
0: fucking- <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I don't know if you guys can hear that uh cop car in the background but I guess that's a great way to end this week's episode (laughs) considering what we were talking about it's been a nice it's been a change of pace not having Amar host this and instead realizing how fucking hard his job is Uh, keeping us focused (laughs) because I don't even right now gun to my head I do not know what this episode is about but uh, (laughs) anyway um thank you for joining us guys thanks for getting to the end of this thanks akshat and poh for joining me it's hard to schedule these but i mean we keep getting them out it's all about that grind and like and subscribe guys reach us reach out to us on insta or twitter if you have any questions for an episode or you know just generally to get in touch thanks see you guys soon